you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront of making disciples, of indoctrination in godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B and J Mac are on tap to help us navigate the show. Welcome mm-hmm. to your Monday. Yes. Uh, all across America, people are celebrating Valentine's Day and they're doing that in a bunch of different ways. Uh, today, we're going to take a different approach to that. We're, we're actually going to have a conversation about uh, singleness. Ooh. Yeah. People are like, I don't want to hear that. that. <laughs> yeah, they do. Actually, actually, they well, actually, do. Okay, okay. Yeah, actually, yeah, they do. Yeah. Actually, um, because uh, the gift of singleness mm. is a high calling that it may sound a little counterintuitive to talk about that on a day where this tends to be the day where a lot of people who are single, mm-hmm. both men and women, mostly women, though, if we, you know, um, tend to have these feelings where they're surveying their worth mm. and they're surveying their value to God and they're wondering if God remembers them. They're wondering, you know, if they are uh, quote unquote complete and and even sometimes not even realizing that they are drawing that from movie lines. But then they start to kind of equate that with this is what God thinks of me or this is how the Lord feels about me. Yeah. And so um, even though obviously you and I are married, we are not single. We were both single for a long time mm-hmm. um, before we were married. Mm-hmm. And my focus today is to talk about the gift of singleness and how the church can do a better job of encouraging singles. Yeah, And I don't mean, uh, listen to me, everyone. <laughs> I don't mean how the church can have more single parties. That's not what I'm, ta- <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. And, and one of the single brothers was like, oh, man, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of the single brothers said, "Man, I'm out. I thought she was gonna tell him. Come on, more singles parties. No, that's that's actually not that's actually not what I think we need. I think we need to have a biblical look at what it is to be single and mm. understand that God calls both singles and marrieds, if you will, if we can say it that way, um, to ministry. But the ministry looks different." The ministry looks different, but both people, both groups, if you will, are called to ministry. And the Bible clearly lays that out. But what I want to explore today, um, and we'll do this for the remainder of the show, because we we are going to talk to Brother Joseph. There's another writing opportunity coming up um, for our young people uh, to to get involved in it. So we're going to make a shift in just a little bit here and talk about that. But before we do that, um, I just kind of wanted to set up where we're going to go after uh, and so the, the show's topic is the high calling of singleness and, and mm. what it looks like to live a single life for the glory of God and how the church can do a better job of communicating the blessing of singleness. And and again, not to get too terribly far ahead of um, not to get, <laughs> I just saw Sherry B's message. <laughs> Sherry B. <laughs> Sherry B said, my size today is chocolate. <laughs> I'll take. She's, I'll take that in a chocolate. Do you guys have it in chocolate? Because I, I, I was looking at this. I don't know. 
But if you have it in size chocolate, that's that's perfect for me. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I think one of the problems is we don't realize that we've done this, but in an attempt and sometimes, <clears throat> excuse me, sometimes it's not this. But what I, I guess what I want to explore today is that we are not guilty in the church of making an idol out of being married, that that mm. then is the only way that you're useful to God, that you're only um, mature and equipped to be used by God if you're married. Uh, because the Bible is very clear that there are some people who are called to be married yeah. and there are some who are not. Right. And both marriage and singleness are gifts that God gives. Yeah. Yeah. And so I want to I want to talk about that. I also want to explore as we walk through this conversation and then open the phone lines up to hear uh, from both married couples and from single Christians who are listening and what they think the church is missing or what they think the church is getting right. The collective body of Christ as it pertains to singles, uh, because I here's here's one of the things that bothers me. I'll tell you, one of the things that bothers me is the thought that a single adult is somehow still a child. Do you know what I mean? Like that still needing to be treated sort of like, you know, like they're a teenager. I mean, you've got you you understand you've got somebody that's like 25, 26, 27, 30, 45 years old and they are unmarried. And somehow there can be this approach to that person like, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Little Tom over there. Like, you know, Tom's a grown (laughs) man. Still a little kid because, yeah. Because they're not, not yet married, married yeah. you know. So I want to explore that. I want to talk about that. And I want us to, as we always do, come back to the straight edge and ask ourselves the question that we must ask ourselves on all of our discussions. What does the word of God say about Amen. this? How, Amen. how do we best understand this? How do we approach yes. it? Not with single self-help books. I, I'm, I'm so anti the self-help stuff. <laughs> Guys, that's just my personal preference. Yeah. Not anything necessarily wrong. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I'm. I, I really think we have the greatest help manual yeah. that that is available to mankind and and any other type of self-help magazine can only hope to grab from its pages mm-hmm. right and and give you a poor watered down version of it <laughs> unless they're actually quoting it then that's a great version of it all right um let's make a shift here because I want to talk about a new opportunity that you have to encourage your kids to take a stand for life and uh, to put their pen where their conviction is. <laughs> and joining us again is Pastor Joseph, um, who hosts also the Hour of Intercession here and directs our outreach initiatives. Uh, Pastor Joseph, tell us about this new opportunity for our young people to get involved in this latest speech writing contest. All right. Well, good to be with you all today. Uh, and uh Appreciate the opportunity to come on and share about coming. the project. Yeah, yeah, thanks for joining us. Okay, and of course, um, of course, you all as parents know uh, about it a little bit about it because your mm-hmm. son JD did so well in the last speech contest mm-hmm. that he God. had, and so we were grateful to have him to participate. Well, this is a one more speech project. The last one went so well, we <laughs> decided to do another one. Wonderful. And this one, of course, again, it's it is a, a division of the project we call the Ten Commandments Project, which of course is a project with a few different legs to it but this part is specifically focusing on the commandment you shall not murder Mm. and Mm. specifically asking kids to do a speech on uh either the pro-life message or the the issue of euthanasia Mm. Mm. and uh we the deadline is uh, april 26 so there's plenty of time for them to get a chance to do it we're asking each young person from ages 6 to 18 to do a speech uh, that expresses their heart, their, their biblical perspective in their heart on why we should stand for life and against abortion and or address the tragedy of euthanasia as well. Mm. And 
So we're inviting young people to either write their own speech or they, they're welcome to get help or if they need help, they can call us. We'll help them with the speech as well mm-hmm. and submit, it, uh, submit a videotape as they did before. And we'll look forward to receiving those from those that choose to participate. So, Pastor Joseph, why, why do you feel like it's so important for uh, children to articulate these issues, like talk about these issues? And Great for, for parents that may think, like, I don't know if I want my child to, to talk about, you know, abortion and euthanasia. Like, what would you say? Well, you know, I, I, I think I have a pretty good answer to that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I recall an instance where my wife, Birdie, was doing a children's message, and she wasn't talking about abortion. She mm-hmm. was talking to elementary kids about, she asked them, what are you thankful for? Some mm-hmm. of the kids said, I'm thankful for my mom, thank you for her home, family. But two little boys, both of which probably were younger than nine, said, I'm thankful my mama didn't abort me. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the realities is we live in a culture where our, our young children know a whole lot more than many times we think they do about That's lots right. of issues, including the reality of abortion. Apparently, these little two little boys knew what abortion was and maybe realized that either a brother or a cousin or a friend was not here because of abortion. Mm-hmm. And somehow or another, they recognized they were blessed that they weren't victims of abortion. Yeah. And so, again, our children know a lot more than we tend to think. And I think it's so wise for us to understand that not only should we tell them, help give them a biblical perspective on these issues, but put them to work as kingdom warriors who can speak to this issue because, again, their generation is heavily affected by this reality. Mm. So why not? You know, again, I think there's nowhere where this term is more uh, more true that the best defense is an offense. Mm. Put those kids uh, to work for the kingdom yeah. of God. Yeah. That's good. That is excellent. You know, one of the things that I think is really interesting about what you've done, Pastor Joseph, and I'm really glad that you've done it, is that you've also included euthanasia in this discussion. I think that's something that gets overlooked in our culture. Um, If we are going to have a conversation, sometimes having um, the pro-life conversation is limited to um, standing up and protecting life in utero. But I think it's important also for us to to focus on life from its natural beginning to its natural end, Mm -hmm. because we also we have such a rabid culture of death that from the beginning to the end, you see that there is an attempt on the part of man to play God. And I'm wondering why you would say it's important for kids to understand even the range of protecting life, that it's not just in the beginning, but it's at any stage in life. Well, if the truth be told, the reality is we see satanic um, just goals of trying to destroy people at every age of life and and through many different means. But, of course, euthanasia is one that, you know, very often will be focused on elderly or people who are older in age. Mm -hmm. But and so what a lot of people don't realize is that, sadly, it's actually being done already. Mm-hmm. It's it's a problem in our culture today. It's not just in foreign countries, but the fact is it's one that actually can be kind of under the radar for a number of different reasons. Mm-hmm. But when a person has it in their heart that, number one, the Word of God says you shall not murder, and they understand that biblical perspective then, then when they if, if they're a medical person, a doctor, a nurse, well, then they'll just decide, well, that's not the route we're going to go. Mm-hmm. Yes. But now yes. if a person in their mind thinks from a utilitarian perspective and they feel like, well, this person's just, they're just taking up space now and they're not useful. And the sad reality is without going into detail, it's already being practiced, mm-hmm. but we need to steer our culture away from thinking that it's acceptable. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think you've touched on something here that's really important because I think the manifestations of the practice of euthanasia and even um, the acceptance of it, I think it's been cloaked. And I think often there are people who are victims of this practice and they don't even realize it. And, you know, it may sound like, you know, not going to any extra measures or not going to any extra lengths or, you know, well, this person is this age, this person, what kind of quality of life? And, you know, we really don't know. And so it almost, and the thing that is so insidious about it, I think, is that it often masquerades as a service, which is very similar to abortion, right? It masquerades as a service. So people would think that this is the quote unquote, right thing to do. But Pastor Joseph, I'm sure you would agree with me that the reading of scripture um, fortifies us against this deception. Very much so. And, you know, um, it gets so important for us to understand that God's word really needs to be the bottom line because it helps us know the heart and the mind of God and what's yes. right, what's wrong. We live in a world where people feel like, well, we make, we make up our own rules. Hmm. You know, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's not okay. And the fact is that pro that truth proves itself over and over again, actually every day in our life all over the world, because people who want to make up their own rules do things that are detrimental to other persons that maybe they feel like aren't as worthy as they themselves are to live. Mm. And so it's important for us to understand wow. that the God, we, we have to stick with the word of God. We have mm -hmm. to use it as our foundation continually because that's what helps us to love each other and, to love God and love each other the way we need to. Man, amen, Pastor mm -hmm. Joseph. Thank you so much for the work that you continue to do on this front and the ministry that is so important to children, uh, building those core values, that foundation of life and ethics that are rooted in um, the character and the, and the nature of God. I'm wondering if you can give us some more of the details on the contest, just in case someone's listening and they didn't get everything in the beginning. Where can they go? Is there a word limit? Um, what What are the parameters again? How will they submit their forms? All of that information. Uh, well, my email is jparker at afa.net. They're welcome to email me to get more information, but also go to the AFA, AFA stand, afa.net, and the, the information about it is on there as well. Okay, jparker at afa.net. You can email Pastor Joseph, jparker at afa.net. You can also go to uh, the stand if you go to afa.net uh, and then just do a search there and you'll find it. The contest and all of the information is located right there. The headline is Introducing the Pro-Life Speech Contest. So you'll be able to find that and avail yourself to all of that information or of all of that information. Mm -hmm. I'll get my prepositions right <laughs> when we get back. This is Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. Stay right there. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Ron Cannoli, all honor. The question that uh, so many singles get, well, a fair amount of singles get, you know, when are you going to get married? 
when are you going to get married? Um, do you want to get married? Do you want to get married? <laughs> it's you about know? time for you to get married. It's about time, isn't it? Time. What you waiting you on? Know? What do you? Come on, you're not getting any younger. I got to put my brother Jeff on. Let's see, <laughs> join the conversation. <laughs> he can add. He can let us know what some of the other questions <laughs> are. Right. Um, this is what I get all the time, man. You know. Um, and <laughs> and so from I was. Parents. They're like, stop it. Stop. You're going to mess up his relationship <laughs> no, no, with his parents. He, he, he didn't tell parents. me this. I'm just, I just, you know, no fun. Well, but his parents know. don't know that. They're going to think that <laughs> well, you're I'm, saying something sideways like, to them. Just parents, if you're shout listening. Out, <laughs> shout, out to, shout out to the Max. Sorry, yeah, y'all. Yeah, okay. You, you We're not. Talk, he, you know, I don't want those problems. Didn't tell okay. Me I don't want those problems. I don't want problems <laughs> with J Max parents. Okay. <laughs> right. right. Um, no, I'm just joking. Okay. So, so the high calling of singleness mm. and, and I want to talk about this today and I, hopefully this conversation, um, as we often do, we're just talking through the scriptures and what does the Bible say and how can we recalibrate the way we think about any issue, um, through the lens of scripture, like mm. just by applying the word of God and thinking mm. about this, um, before we go to scripture, I kind of want to back up. And I thought it would be um, I thought it would be fun. This is sort of a how when people listen to a program for a long time, they just pick up tidbits about their hosts because they listen for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it might be fun for us to kind of just briefly explore um, the ages that we were when we got married and <laughs> how we were living before we got married, mm-hmm. what the Lord did to interrupt both of our lives and the adjustment that was made. Once we were married, um, and then you could kind of go into um, just how much better your life is now. Just if you if you want, if you, I'm not putting pressure on you and for that. You too, okay. Um, you know, absolutely, <laughs> but I think people automatically assume that he hey. rescued me. Oh, Popeye! I'm, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so absolutely, my life is better. Uh, but would you like to start Will the Great? Yeah, so I was uh, 28. Yeah, so you that were was, pretty that old. Would, yeah, that would be considered. I think most of my friends were were married. Right? Yeah, um, and I, but I was uh, doing campus ministry, so I went straight from uh, college and right into doing campus ministry. You know, uh, doing internship, and so it kind of didn't stop. And it wasn't, you know, it was kind of like uh, school, and then almost another form of school. You know, yeah, but yeah. ministry type school. So, but yeah, I was twenty eight and um, in ministry, involved in ministry. Leading, you know, uh, evangelistic like team, uh, doing different things, and so. But I have had a great desire to be married. You know, I, I felt like that that was something that the Lord uh, had for me, and that it was going to be something where the ministry that I was already doing it was going to be enhanced. You know, so mm-hmm. um, yeah. So that that's the age, and that that was the focus at the time. You know, so while and it was hard, you know, it's, it was hard for me uh, personally uh, being single, like seeing like uh, friends get married and, and thinking, OK, maybe I don't know. And <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, yeah, and I was single, that's real. But, I, you know, I did have relationships and stuff like that, which, look, we know what we say on this show. I don't <laughs> I don't, you know, promote that. But at the, at the same time, you know, it wasn't like a, a point of like, uh, I'm just going to just date this person, date this person. I was really looking and asking the Lord to show me who my wife was. And he threw like uh, a bunch of, of situations, a series of events, let's put it like that, like made it clear to me, you know, what I needed to do and who my wife was. And so and it took some bumps and bruises and things like that. But uh, I feel like God really uh, kept me 
through singleness. And man, you know, like, I don't know. Looking back, looking back on it, I don't envy <laughs> anyone who's single now because I, I feel like I, I understand that it is hard. But there, there are people that have that gift. You know, yes, um, it is a gift. Yeah, it is. A I gift. think it might be important just for for clarity. Mm-hmm. Now, you correct me on this, because I, I thought that you had two relationships. Yes. Before you married me. I had two. But I thought in both of those relationships, you intended to marry. Yeah, I was people. always like it was your mind. My mindset that you were, that was, was yeah. marriage. Yes. Mm-hmm. Even from a younger age, my mindset yeah. was marriage. And that wasn't something that was like I feel like that was instilled in me from. I don't know. I, I, maybe just God just put it there because I understood that, you know, that was the way, you know, I understood mm-hmm. that that was the right way. But yeah, almost my, sort of like the default that you get, yes. you, you grow up, you get married. Yeah. And I, and yeah. that's what I saw. That's mm-hmm. what I saw at home. My mom, my dad were married until death. You know, my dad, yeah. my dad yeah. passed away, you know. And so that's what I, I saw. And that's what I wanted. I wanted children. You know, I wanted what I what I saw, <laughs> you know. That's interesting. So, So, well, no, I'm just (laughs) laughing because we I mean, we we know this, but I'm laughing at what I'm about to say because we were both we we were different. Right. We we have. It's interesting that our testimonies are are kind of different. So you were 28 when we got married. I was 25. Um, And again, um, many of my friends were getting married and and I was in ministry at this point. Um, But I'm I'm laughing at just sort of because my thought was. Um, I really enjoyed serving the Lord as a single woman. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't have like this strong opposition to marriage, but I just, I was, I enjoyed serving the Lord. Like right. I enjoyed discipling women. I enjoyed studying the Bible. I enjoyed um, just that. I don't know. I just, I, I was immersed in ministry and I really appreciated it. And um and so I was okay to not be married. And mm-hmm. and I, I would not have said then, um, if someone had asked me, do you have the gift of singleness? I would not have said, I have the gift of singleness. Yeah. Because it would cross my mind from time to time, like, does the Lord want me to get married? Will I get married? Like, you know, I, mm-hmm. but I was okay not to. I and, and I don't think that that's true for every woman. I don't think mm-hmm. that that's like everybody's uh, testimony. But for me, that was the case. I was like, I, I enjoyed what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And I remember one year um, after I graduated college and because I was on the extended plans, so I was in college for a minute. Um, but I remember, <laughs> <laughs> I remember after I, uh, I graduated uh, college and I was invited to go to Georgetown University to consider training for ministry there. Mm-hmm. And I was praying about that really strongly. I remember yeah. going and y- you remember this whole oh, yeah. time. And um, but I just after I continued to pray about it, I didn't feel like that was what the Lord wanted me to do. Mm-hmm. And the woman who had poured into my life, had discipled me, had taught me to walk with the Lord and to read the scriptures. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, so she was there. She was mm-hmm. at Georgetown. Mm-hmm. And um, she invited me to come. And and so it just seemed like, well, yeah, of course, like right, I can do that. Right. You know, I'm single. I can do that. And um, but after I continued to seek the Lord, I just didn't have the peace and the confirmation that mm-hmm. I needed that that's mm-hmm. what God wanted me to do. And so I didn't. And it was in that year that the airbrush all came. That it went. <laughs> that's that's when it went like the little like the stringing along the, the harp. And, um, and I think that's where the Lord began to bring, I believe the plan that he had for you and I to be married because Mm -hmm. we had been friends for a very long time, but neither one of us 
would have said that we liked the other person right. like that. Right. I don't like you like that. Right. You know what I mean? Like that <laughs> right. would have, we, I mean, we, we didn't have like an aversion to right. one another. Did we? Well, did we? No, no. After I got over the initial shock value of, uh, Hey, of what? <laughs> the shock value of what? Of seeing you at that event. You okay. Know, kinda, okay. Um, wow. <laughs> so we're doing this. We usually reserve that only for marriage events where we can see people's faces. Yeah, you're right. So, so we we're one, doing we this now. We have one coming up, so I'll This stop weekend. There. You can share the story this weekend. <laughs> I can't believe. Wow. You are going to do that right now with people whose faces we cannot see. I mean, they can see us because they're watching. Well, I can't see them. And I don't know what they're thinking about what you're about. Wow. So I didn't make a really. You you can't just leave that story hanging. You can't just leave. Okay, listen. Actually, I'll leave that because, you know, we're going to talk about it this weekend. Great. I'm looking forward to that. I love when you share this story. Can you can you hear my joy? Yeah. Uh, anyways, so it was in that year that I was going through the uh, internship and the, the, the ministry training uh, course that we go through to become missionaries mm-hmm. um, that the Lord, I believe, made it clear that you and I were to be married. And that yeah. sounds like that sounds like some sort of like agreement that we just wrote up. Um, (laughs) But it wasn't like that. Like, I mean, obviously the affection I think is the easy thing to arrive at. Mm -hmm. Right. I think it's really easy to be um, like, Oh, I love him. Right. But I think knowing what God's will is and really desiring that beyond your immediate feelings, I think that's a little bit harder and more difficult to arrive at to kind of steady for a second and say, wait, is this, is this God's will? So I'm saying all of that to say, that you and I both lived as unto the Lord single, but in different ways, right? right? In different right. ways. And, but the Lord used both of those ways to bring us together according to his plan. Right. So having said all of that, what I want to transition into now is talking about some of the ways that we misunderstand singleness, that we treat mm. singles as if there's some sort of like mutation in the <laughs> body of Christ and 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 I find this to be hugely problematic because in order to view singles as a mutation mm-hmm. or as people operating in a deficit, you would have to confer this same belief or this same sort of like apprehension. Like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. They're not married. You'd have to think the same way about Jeremiah, mm-hmm. about John the Baptist. Now, of course, if you do come across a woman that's eaten like locusts and honey, you might <laughs> you might go, wait. I don't know. That's different. But I just want to say, so Jeremiah, John, John the Baptist, Jesus Christ, our savior. Mm -hmm. And then of course, Paul who wrote like Paul believed that he had been given the gift of singleness. Right. So can you imagine people saying, well, you know, there are just certain things that Paul can't comment on because he's not married. Mm. Well, then you'd have to throw out first Corinthians chapter seven, which he has a whole lot of, (laughs) inspired by the Holy Spirit wisdom to give to married people, though he's not married. Right. And so, and even down to the, the, um, the assertion that, that singleness is a gift. So I want to turn to that. And I want to just kind of have a conversation around that. Mm -hmm. Uh, First Corinthians chapter seven, verses six through nine. Now as a concession, not a command, I say this, I wish that all were as I myself am. (laughs) Paul said that in one other place that I can remember. I wish that all. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. He goes, (laughs) he goes, but each has his own gift from God. One of one kind and one of another to the unmarried and the widows. I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am, but if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry 
for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't want to just like, right? Okay. So we've got some statistics and we've covered them on this show before. I don't have them in front of me, but we've looked at evangelical Christians who are single, who have totally thrown out um, God's requirement, God's command, God's mandate that if you are single, you do not engage in married people's activities. Yeah. Is that the softest way I can say that? Oh yeah. Right. Everybody understands. However, everybody understands what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. However, what we have found is that single people in some ways are okay being single because all of, I mean, there's no sacrifice. It's not like, I I mean, it's not, I don't feel like it's a gift. I mean, you know, I'm right. But the Bible is very clear. God has not changed. <clears throat> excuse me. God has not changed his mind right. on fornication. Right. And yet you still see singles who will call themselves Christians engaging in activity that the Lord says, no, this is sin. And he's already judged this. And even brought into the reason of it as being, <laughs> you know, well, we love each other. Like, you know, like. Even taking certain things from what the world would tell you, you know, you guys are committed to each other. So just go ahead. You don't have to. That's just a piece of paper. That kind of stuff. You know, you you hear that kind of stuff. It's like, wow. Hold on. No, it's an it's an entering into a covenant with witnesses. It is it is entering into a public agreement together where you can be held accountable for that covenant Mm -hmm. uh, with witnesses before the Lord God and other onlookers. Everybody else serving as a witness and saying, we agree. Yes. And amen. This is good. Mm. We're 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 here. We're in this with you, which, by the way, when you attend a wedding, Mm. it's not something that you should ever do flippantly. That's right. Um, when you attend a wedding, you are attending a wedding as a witness Mm -hmm. and you are agreeing to hold these two people accountable for the covenant that they've entered into. I got to tell you, we've been in a couple different situations where it's been uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but we attended these two different people. We attended their wedding and they, we, we learned that they were divorcing Mm -hmm. and on different occasions we called them and we said, look, I, this may not, this may not be comfortable but we were at your wedding. And so we feel a responsibility to, to, to kind of, to hold you accountable that you made a covenant before the Lord. So I don't want to pry. And there may be things that you don't want to talk to me about, but I just, I just want to know, have you guys gone through all of the steps? I mean, are, is this truly the last resort? Like, are you at that place? Guys, do you know how many weddings you'd pass up if you really took that seriously? Because we don't seriously? see it like that. Like, honestly, no. we see it as, go, you know, weddings happen so often and divorce happens so often. It's just kind of like it's become like a, a numbing thing. I like can go into a, a wedding, but we don't have the mindset of, man, I'm going to witness this covenant before God that these people are making. And I'm there, you know, as a, a witness of this yeah. and, and to hold. We don't that. <laughs> That would be seen as being too stuffy. Like, oh man, it's not that serious. Come on, man. But it well, is. I'll tell you with with the one sister that that I called, um, who was actually living away from us. Um, I that I called and you know just said, man, I'm concerned. I'm praying with you. I'm sure you're praying about this. I'm praying with you, um, but I I have to press you on this um, because I was I was at your wedding. Like we gave our approval to this, and it actually was not super uncomfortable because there was such a tenderness. It was such a painful situation. I mean, it was a very painful situation. And she even said, let me walk you through what's going on. Mm. Like, I, I appreciate you calling. I appreciate you asking, do you have, do you have time? Because mm. it's going to take, let me tell you what's going on. And we prayed together. And honestly, frankly, we, we cried together is it's very difficult. But what I'm saying is that that covenant is precious, right? Yeah. So it's not just because you are joining yourself together in sexual intimacy that you become married. 
Mm. You become one flesh with that person mm-hmm. because that's a spiritual principle. So that's a fact. But it does not mean that you are married. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Let's grab the break and I'll move a little more quickly here through the discussion. Aaron, the Addison's on American Family Radio will break and we'll be right back. They said that boy insane. He gone, he loves his brain. He too zealous. He just trying to go against the grain. He got his whole life ahead of him. So this is strange. But they don't get that getting other shit just isn't game. And marriage isn't pain. In fact, it's love and joy. Guys plan for man and woman they want to destroy. By acting like it's prison. Avoid it because it's hard. Look honestly, if it don't hurt, then you ain't loving hard. Look at Jesus. Welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's a good thing by Triple E. We'll get around to opening the phone lines in just a couple minutes. I just want to make a couple more points here. We're talking about the high calling of singleness. And even, I guess, by extension, you've got to talk about marriage because even just in the conversation that we were just having, singles behaving badly is bad. (laughs) Okay, singles behaving badly is bad. But also marriage behaving badly towards singles is bad. Yeah. Guys, can we just, I I, I just want to be as matter of fact about that as I possibly can. Married's behaving badly towards singles is bad. You don't abuse um, single people's time because they're single. Mm. Do, you, do you understand? They're not the catch-all for all the things mm. that the married people can't do. Like, I just, I, I we, we, we've got to value people in total, right? So it's not, it's, you don't, and I'm just throwing out random names. So if you're listening and you're single, nobody told me. I don't know, okay? <laughs> you, right? Okay. So you, so you don't go call Rebecca because, you know, she didn't have anything going on. <laughs> that is horrible. So, so, should, so should married people think towards singles like, well, you know, you need to spend, you have this time, so spend it for the Lord. Like, you need to. Well, and that's exactly where I want to go. That's, that's the proper transition. Okay. Um, I, I would say this is not my thought. This mm-hmm. is scripture because it mm-hmm. doesn't matter what my thought is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, somebody's like, Amen. no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but, but what does the scripture say? Right. So, so here, here we go. If you go back to first Corinthians chapter seven, because that was going to be my next point. My next point was when you are single or as you're single, what, what um, manner of life should you be living? Well, you should be living a life that's filled with ministry. That doesn't don't, don't think the big things people automatically think that oh, preaching, teaching, what evangelism <laughs> like well yeah evangelism but that's that's a lifestyle right this is this is how we live so if you are single you should be serving the lord in your singleness if you are married you should be serving the lord in your marriedness right okay. but it looks different mm. and the bible even um teaches you that it looks different that it's going to look different but both groups of people are required to serve the Lord. And so I want to talk about what this practically looks like. But before I do that, I want to go to the scriptures. Okay, so so here we go. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 32. I want you to be free from anxieties. <laughs> the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. Amen. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. Oh, that is so important. That's not a throwaway phrase there, Mm. not a throwaway line, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. 
I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So what is Paul saying? Paul saying, listen, you're going to serve the Lord. You're, you're going to, your, your life is is ministry. You're, you're living lives of ministry, but it's going to look different if you're operating in a different capacity. So Mm. if you are single, then your cares are for the things of this, of this world. It's for serving the Lord, right? Like how do you, well, let me to the married, the things of this world, serving your husband, husband, serving the wife, but the things of God for the single person, that's your focus. That's what, that's what you are engaged in ongoingly. And you can do it almost in an unfettered manner. Now I know that sounds, you know, maybe a little bit like I'm saying that, that marriage makes it a little more difficult for you to do things in ministry, but biblically speaking, it does. Yeah. It says the interests are divided. Your interests are divided. You know? Now, what happens, man, and our teaching pastor was talking about this yesterday. Like it, you, you get in trouble when you try to, as a married individual, act like you're not married. Mm. Look, I, I spent my life. I say my life. I'm sorry. Exaggeration for effect. My, <laughs> my, my adult single life. Let me say it that way. My adult single life serving the Lord and ministering unfettered. Like I, I discipled young women mm-hmm. like, oh my goodness. I, and and I loved it. And it was it was consuming. I did it all the time. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, then when I get married, I'm sorry, I I can't be up talking with you until like one, two o'clock in the morning. Right. I'm married. Right. And, and right. there should not you shouldn't you shouldn't go. I'm sorry, girl. I'm just not going to be able to meet you for coffee today. No, you're like, hey, no, I can't do it. I'm sorry. Like Will and I are going to go out to eat. Mm-hmm. And that shouldn't make you like, eh. why? Because if you have been faithful to minister as a single person, mm-hmm. then you understand that there's a, a season shift in your life yeah. where now I can't do these things. And please understand that God expects this to be true. Yeah. So when you neglect your husband, I'm talking to marrieds who were once single. When you neglect your husband because your single friend needs you, you're actually not operating biblically toward your husband. Your first responsibility is to your husband. The Bible calls it the things of this world, but there are things you have to tend for or tend to because you're married. Right. 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 But in your single years, when you're single, however long that is, we should be serving the Lord. We should be caring about the things of God. I want to say this and then I'll get Will the Great's take on it. And we'll, we'll, we can open the phone lines. 888-589-8840. 888 888- Five eight nine eight eight four zero. I would like to say, um, now this is this is my personal opinion here. Mm-hmm. I really think that single women and single men should have ongoing opportunities for ministry. What do I mean when I say that? I think that single men and single women should be actively trained to disciple and teach others to disciple mm-hmm. and maintain accountability relationships. Yes. I don't think we need more singles parties. I think we need more <laughs> intentional single ministry mm-hmm. where men and women are trained in the things of God in that stage of life that they're in. Mm-hmm. You're trained in the things of God and you are trained to train others. This is how the gospel proliferates. This is how the the, the health and the growth of the church uh, continues, because not only are you trained, it doesn't die with you. But it moves on to the next generation. If we had churches that actively trained single men and women to actively train single men and women, K 
can you imagine the health of our church? We wouldn't have numbers in like the 80% range. And I'm throwing that out there and we'll correct me on that if that's too much, but of singles who are claiming to be Christians and yet fornicating. I believe that's you, right. Yeah. You, you just wouldn't have it. Mm-hmm. Why? Because you'd have people who are in active accountable accountability relationships and also training other people's to be or other people to be in the same types of relationships. And then they'd be trained in how to disciple others, which means because when you're discipling someone, you're you've got to be steeped in the word of God. Mm. It's I'll tell you what it is. And, and, and then I'll stop talking. This is what it's like. It's like and I, I joke about this when when I was when I was single. Even when Will and I were just newly married, mm-hmm. okay, man, we could eat a can of soup and go to bed, <laughs> right? You, 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 ramen noodles, you, I mean, you're fine. Like, you, you just eat and go to bed. You don't need a whole lot, right? But when you start having kids that you're mm-hmm. responsible for feeding, man, then, okay, now you got you to gotta cook, you got to prepare, you got to you, because there's someone else who is kind of, like, depending on you. Right, right. And it gives a different level of, like, what you can get by on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Anyways, um, all right, I'm done. Will the Great, if you want to add to that before we go to the phone lines, feel free to do that. No, I, I was just going to say real quick, you know, you're talking about um, having singles that would be able to minister and disciple. It, I, our mindset in the church has to change from not wanting to be like the world because the world is screaming out, you know, that you should be concerned about other things when you're single. You know, mm-hmm. that's not even a priority, you know. Um, and so you have to have within the I think the leadership of the church and in 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 uh environment in the church that this is important and this is what you guys need to do and this is something that is is uh has eternal value because what's being screamed at the singles and pretty much everybody else is the way of the world this is yes. how we operate this is what you should be concerned about you know and we have to move our minds away from that onto something like this because it's not there. Like this is not something that is valued, you know, or if you're, let me just say one other, I know or if you're not married, something is broken with you Mm. or you've got to treat marriage with a disdain because Mm -hmm. you aren't married. So you've, if you're, if you're a single woman, you've got to develop this tough exterior. It's like, well, I won't (laughs) be married anyway. You know what I mean? Like rather than say, you know, man, I, I, I really want to be married, but that's not God. that's not what God has for me right now. Right, right. I'm going to serve him in my singleness. I'm, I'm going to find ways to disciple and to train younger women in the faith and to teach them, not only teach them, but teach them to teach others. This is second mm. Timothy two, two. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do this until the Lord brings a husband my way or, or I meet him like I, this gives purpose to life. That is not rooted in the things that we could be fixated upon. Yeah. All right. Well, the great, where do we go first? All right, let's go to Michael in Iowa. Hi, Michael. Hello. Hello. Thank God for you, too. God bless you. I've spoken to you a few times. This is the Messianic Jew, Michael, from Iowa. Yeah. Listen, everything that you're hitting on is great. I'm going to tell you, uh, trying to make it fast, in the in the scriptures, uh, you know about Pharisees and, and the Sadducees, mm-hmm. but there's a group that you may not be aware of. They're called the Essenes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Are yes. you familiar with them? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, I remember a while back saying about this group. Mm-hmm. Yes, they, they, this was, they modeled their life after Isaiah, prophet Isaiah. One mm-hmm. is, uh, um, Isaiah 61, his whole life. But they, they were a celibate group. But there were some that, that couldn't live that lifestyle, so it was fine. They got married, but they kept all the things. But it was, it was, it was the right thing to do because 
if you live in settlement, then you're not. You, when you die off, it's over. Mm-hmm. So what they would do is a lot of this, uh, a lot of these ones that had children, they would send their sons to them and actually, you know, allow them to raise them in that lifestyle. Now, this is the this is pretty much the model. If you look at almost all the prophets, they did not marry because they were married to God, Jehovah, and they were totally faithful to Him. Much like what you're speaking, how a wife must be to husband and husband to the wife. Mm-hmm. And you're right. No, no. If you're going to call yourself a believer, you're you're out there now, and you cannot live a life like you're married when you're not married or That's right. or single, like and vice versa. You can't mm-hmm. do it. Otherwise, you don't either understand what's going on, what what you're believing, or you're purposely doing it and thinking you can cherry pick what you want to. And mm-hmm. no, they can't do that. You know, Michael, let me just say, you're making such an interesting point here because uh, the Corinthians, the the reason for this portion of Paul's letter is sort of addressing this belief that you've got these Corinthians who come to Christ and they come to Christ and they're they're married. But somehow they believe that it's going to be more spiritual for them to be single. And I'm going to give everything to God. I'm going to serve Mm. God. So they are wanting to actually put their wives away. Mm. And Paul's like, no, no, don't do that. (laughs) Keep your wife. Right. And then he goes in. If you read all of chapter seven, he's like, look, even if your wife is not a believer, if she stays with you, keep her. If your husband's not a believer, if he if he stays with you, keep him. And so it's interesting that there's always been sort of this. And these things are spiritual, right? An attack on God's commands, an attack. So so God says that you should be fruitful and multiply. God has blessed marriage. He's given marriage to us. This is a gift. Just as singleness is a gift. Neither one singleness nor marriage should be made an idol in our life. That's right. But you can see both of the extremes. Right. But those of us who fear the Lord will avoid all of these extremes. Will the Great, where do we go next? All right, let's go to Linda in Texas. Hi, Linda. Well, hi there. I'm the wife of Will the Great, number one. <laughs> yeah, my husband's yes. Will. Uh, no, after 40 years of ministry, uh, we have done exactly that. We have taught young people that celibacy is a gift, just like your virginity, and God gave it to you for a special reason, and until he gives you a different plan, then you proceed Hmm. with that. And uh, as far as weddings, uh, you were talking about weddings. My husband, uh, in all those years, has done very few weddings because Hmm. of what he required Hmm. them to do. The books they read, the tapes they listened to, the counseling. And he said, and then, after going through all of that, then I will tell you whether or not I will marry you. Hmm. So a lot of them went somewhere else. But the weddings that he has uh, performed uh, are still married. They are godly people raising mm. godly children. And if our pastors would do that and see that as a priority, uh, I think things would really turn around. But the thing is, it does work. Yes. Look, I'm going to, I agree with you, Linda. I, we are huge proponents of premarital counseling. Amen. We went through premarital, mm-hmm. premarital counseling, um, postmarital counseling. And, <laughs> After marriage, no, I'm just kidding. I don't, there's not, I'm just saying I'm, I am pro marital counseling yeah, and, and, and certainly going into it. I think it's super important. Um, Will the Great, where do we go next? All right. Go on. Oh. Cynthia in Texas. Hi, Cynthia. I'm sorry, Cynthia. Cynthia, are you there? John 316 day. I'm sorry. Say that Hello? again. Yeah, go ahead. Go say ahead, that Cynthia. Again. Sorry. John 316. John 316 day. 
Oh, that's what today. Yes, God so loved the world. Yes, amen. You know, okay, okay. That's what it is. You know, He loved the world. Amen. Hey, okay. I wanted to comment about the singlehood. Okay, Okay. I'm 64. Never been married, no kids, right? And Mm -hmm. I've been born again. I mean, I've been in the church forever, but I was truly born again 28 years ago, right? So I was in my 30s, and I think about it like this, you know. Cynthia, oh my goodness. Okay, Cynthia, you're going to have to call us back tomorrow, Lord willing. (laughs) I want to hear where you're going with this, but we are out of time. So until then. God bless.